you're listening to the Tech Talk Show. Hi there, my name is Sue Nelson and for the next hour we're going to be talking about all things tech and I'm joined by my lovely, cuddly fellow presenter Paul Armstrong who's author of Disruptive Technologies. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, how are you doing? Yes, good, good. Are you cappuccinoed up this morning? You've had about three, you should be buzzing. I am. Always, really. Have you, do you <laughs> Don't need to ask. Do you have yours with caffeine in? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay, just not the right cappuccino, otherwise. No, no, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's good. And um, you're feeling you're, you're surrounded by girls this morning in the studio. Well, I say girls. I'm going to be. I'm going to get it all wrong for the whole hour. Uh, we are going to get letters, I'm sure. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be a lot on Twitter, isn't there? Yeah. Um, Am yeah, I all right with it? Sure. Yeah. It's not my demographic, but sure. Surrounded by women. That is excellent. Okay. So, and the reason why we're surrounded by women is because we have the lovely Emma Maslin of SAP Concur. Hi, Emma. Good morning. Looking pretty in pink today. Thank you. Thought I'd make an effort yeah. for the radio show. Yeah, not much point really. I've got my jeans on, but don't Tried worry hard. about that. Yeah, mm. well done. And also by Andrea Zitner of LV. Hi, Andrea. Hi, good morning. Are you looking forward to this? I am. You might learn wait. a bit about expenses, which is um, which is Emma's pet topic. I can't wait. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm going to start with that, actually, Emma. So, so you're at um, um, SAP Concur, and we'll, we'll talk about the, the technology in a minute. Um, so most of us work for a company where we put our expenses in, our personal expenses in. What's allowed and what isn't? Well, it depends on the uh, on the company, actually. And I think in uh, in most cases, most most companies don't monitor as closely as they should be the things that they're allowing and they're not. So we've seen all sorts of amazing stories come through around things that have been expensed from um, one one particular story recently, somebody expensed a kitchen, which I was quite impressed with. Expensed a kitchen. Yeah, um, we've had stories of um, couples that have split up and people expensing uh, hotel rooms at weekends because they've been moved out of the family homes. There's some pretty interesting stuff that gets expensed these days. So, so. What's, the, what's the actual legislation then? It has to be a business a legitimate business expense and how is that defined then by hmrc well so it's more so about the companies because different companies allow different types of expenses so it it really depends on on who it is because um because bear in mind as well that even uh, sort of government government entities as well have different types of expenses so like universities um, and not-for-profits so it can really depend on there isn't so much legislation um, necessarily from the government it's more so around the the company policies and the way that the companies actually set that up but it does have to be related to business so um, I for example could get my kitchen expensed if I do a lot of cooking for my work and I have to do that as part of my job, etc. Absolutely, et yeah. If you can, if there's some sort of loose alignment yeah. to, but in my company, if yeah. I fancy just changing my kitchen and I own the you company, yeah. I can't actually put that expense because that is be illegal, allowed. isn't it? I mean, that's not allowed. Yeah, so it's not allowed. Yeah, it's fraud. absolutely. Yeah. So, and there's all sorts of different types of fraud that people. Um, uh, yeah, it's 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 very loose. Actually, you'd be amazed actually how how loose the policies are, and it really more so comes down to um, the way that the company is administering those expenses and what they're allowing and what they're not allowing. So, do most companies, particularly larger ones, then will have a sort of manual of this is what you're allowed expenses, this is what you're not. You can claim 150 quid if you're in a hotel overnight. You can claim this. Da, 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 da. Do most companies have some sort of manual? They have a policy. So they yeah. have they their policy that they allowed their their employees to 
um, to expense against. And But usually what happens is if you imagine for those who have worked in a corporate environment for some time, what tends to happen is when you join a company, you read the expense policy. So you think, well, what sort of company is this? Am I allowed to expense first class travel? Can I stay in the Ritz? Those sorts of things. And then when you've been for the company with, for seven years, if they've updated the policy three times in those seven years, you've probably not read it since. Right. And neither of the managers that are approving your expenses. So um, what tends to happen is people stray away from the policy. And then that's when you get a bit of infringement going on, yeah, yeah, you get yeah. in trouble, and then occasionally you might get a new manager that's maybe a bit tighter on expenses, and and that's then when things start getting a little bit clawed back. And are you allowed to be extravagant? So if if I am, you know, if my company is making quite a lot of money, and I say to my staff, "Look, you can stay in hotels mm. to the value of three hundred pounds a night," so, you know, when you're in London, am I allowed to do that? There is a lot of so if your company defines those sorts of policies. So if you imagine, for example, you know, Formula One organisations, I imagine that when they're entertaining clients, for example, they're they're probably not staying in a Premier Inn. That's probably not their policy. <laughs> so you my tea out there. Yeah, so, <laughs> sorry, no, right. I was strategically yeah. uh, shouldn't have uh, waited until you put the cup to your mouth. But um, yeah, yeah, and even for example, if you imagine hedge funds, so as part of client entertaining those sorts of things again you know premier inn's probably not going to be in their policy mm. so providing it's sort of within reason that it's part of the government um it's part of your um company expense then actually um yeah that's that's okay um yeah so essentially what um what would happen is when somebody checks your books like your accountant checks your books they're mm. not going to be bothered are they they don't care um, as long as it is, is, is a legitimate expense because it's down to you to set the the procedures and the policies for your company yeah it's more about the board actually so right. you know a board of directors you know their responsibility and you know all of the executives within a company it's their responsibility to make sure you're making profit in the right way there's probably some things that are acceptable within that business some things that aren't so if you're for example a not-for-profit and you're staying in the ritz that's probably not acceptable. Um, well, that's that's a reputational risk rather than a legal risk, isn't it? Well, so it's probably, a, <coughs> firstly, a financial risk because mm. a not-for-profit would be running really lean on cash. Um, but then also it becomes reputational risk yeah. and then potentially you then get into legalities because, why well, you're staying in a hotel for that amount of mm. money and those sorts of things as well. Yeah. And as far as the legal thing's concerned, um, HMRC probably don't care too much as long as it looks like a legitimate business expense, but they're pretty hot on the VAT, aren't they? They are pretty hot on the VAT, and that's the thing that actually most um, most companies really struggle with because having the right proof of receipts is the thing that people get into trouble with. So if you try and claim an expense and you've not got a correct VAT receipt, and then you go to claim VAT back from HMRC, and if you're audited and you don't have the right receipt, then you'll get in trouble. But if you don't claim the VAT, they're okay with that? If you don't claim the VAT... So say you've lost your receipt, then actually the best yep. thing to do is not to claim the VAT, is that right? Yeah, so if you've lost your receipt, I mean, it's interesting, there's a whole bunch of points well, around I lose this. my receipts all the time. So, so on average, most employees lose around 15% of their receipts <laughs> per year. So, and, it, and, right. and actually, for what tends to happen is the employees don't claim because they think, oh, well, if I haven't got my receipt, that's my responsibility, therefore I don't claim. So if you think your employees are losing out on around 15% of their expenses, that's, prob that's probably the first thing. Um, and then the second point is then, 
you know, do you then claim the VAT back? Um, and there's been a whole, um, VAT's a very tricky subject. So what people tend to do is they tend to not claim because they're unsure because mm. of this. Have they got the right receipt? Are they claiming back for the right thing? But again, this is money that companies are missing out on. So sure. again, it becomes a who's losing out on the cash? The employees, the company. So, so or if one of my, um, I, I know that none of my employees would 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 you know do anything naughty because they're they're all fab and we're only a small team. So, so it's, it's unlikely. Mm. Probably more likely when you got you know hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. Mm. Um, but if one of my employees lost their receipt and and say it was for twenty five quid, and I know that was quite a lot of money for that person, can I not still give them that twenty five quid in expenses? Just not claim the VAT. So you, because so, I haven't done, yeah, haven't got so the you can, yeah, so you can take a decision on that, and actually, mm. so within Concur, we have a situation where you can essentially just sign to say this was a legitimate expense, it was under a certain value. Therefore, as a company, we choose to reimburse our employees if they've lost the receipt. Yeah, and um, what we do in the back end is then entirely dependent on the company. Yeah. Yeah, and um, um, in terms of travelling expenses, um, that you know, that are there any particular guidelines? I know the sort of AA and RAC give guidelines of forty p a mile or whatever it is, but mm-hmm. but you know, can are you uh, as an employer allowed to give whatever you want in terms of reimbursing people mileage for you? No, it is, car? there is um, HMRC guidelines around that. Whilst it's not my expertise, um, there are some guidelines around what what you can and can't do depending on whether or not you've got a car allowance or. Um, the types of travel that you're having as well, or dependent also on the number of miles that you do a year. Mm. So there's HMRC guidelines around that, and you have to be within those guidelines. Okay. Um, and if you give somebody above what you know what, what would feel like a reasonable thing, uh, HMRC can deem that as a personal benefit and tax you on it, can't they? They can. So say if I was to say, you know, Lucy, our producer, she's she's a she's a good old girl. She is, you know, she works really hard, and I go, there you mm. go, there you go, Lou, and just trot off on holiday. I'm going to pay you, you know, go on holiday or whatever hmrc might deem that as, 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 a, as a taxable benefit mightn't they uh they certainly might do and 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 actually the um if you remember years ago actually the companies got a lot hotter on this i remember when i was in uh, sales actually 20 years ago there was a um big change to legislation back then where um, the company that I worked for, they used to be really great around Christmas time. They used to take you and your other half to a lovely hotel somewhere in the country and spend a couple of hundred pounds on you. Very nice. Then they changed their rules and you were lucky if you could get a turkey without having HMRC deem it as benefit and kind. So it's actually quite tricky now around what is allowed to be, um, what's considered to be benefit and kind and what's not. So it's... Um, yeah, and, you're better and, off talking to the accountants. And by that, then, what we mean is that HMRC will tax you on it. They don't expect you to pay them back, but what they'll do is they'll tax it's you. It's tax- like, taxable like, benefit. Like yeah. they've given you 500 quid extra salary and yeah. you pay the tax on that. It's exactly the same way it works for, for exactly, taxable benefit. Exactly, yeah. Expensive turkey, that one. Very, very expensive. Very expensive. So if there are all these rules around that, then why are MPs uh, don't have to log their expenses if it's below <laughs> a certain amount then? Why are they allowed I to do it differently? I think my PR guy would be having kittens at this point. But why are they allowed to do it differently and then we have to, you know, why are they above the law then? I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea. So that's a, it's a great, great point. And I think, so it goes back to, it's, a, it's the same principle for, for companies. Companies have expense policies and yet the majority of the time they're not followed either because they're not understood or because they're not followed for lots of reasons. So if if employees are disgruntled about how much they get paid, the first thing that happens is they start 
playing with their expenses. Well, they nick all the stuff out of the stationary cupboard. That's the other thing. <laughs> she go These right. days, those I'm stationary cupboards are virtual, so they tend to be more staples receipts. Oh, that's true. Um, take, take some emails. Oh, no, yeah. wait. <laughs> yeah. But again, from uh, um, it's the, the same principle with, uh, with MPs and government staff. You know, how well do they understand the policy? Um, how, how often has it been changed? And I think there has been a bigger backlash more recently in the fact that these things are published. I'm sure if there was um, more transparency around what was expensed from a company perspective, then potentially companies might be in a similar sort of situation as well. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one with the MPs. Um, LV, uh, the, the company that you've got, yeah. LV, uh, which we'll go on to later, uh, Andrea, um, I'd love to see what your expenses are. Have you got some interesting <laughs> expenses for your sort of female products? So well, we're still later. very much um, in a scrappy mode. So actually, I think I was smiling when you were describing the travel policy. So for us, it's very much Ryanair and shared Airbnb. Mm-hmm. That's the mode that we still operate in. So I think in terms of policies, we probably only wrote one a little bit later into our life as a typical startup. And I think but, tra- but how many people do you have? We have about 35 now. 35, yeah. 35. You probably do need to get a bit of an expense policy going yeah, now. I thought you were going to say you got three, but no. No, so it's definitely, it's definitely getting built up, but you can never quite cover every single permutation in a scenario. So I think for us, it's important that we're very clear on what the norms are. And then mm. I often say to everybody in my team, it's a red face test. So if you can explain to me without blushing what you've expensed, it's probably fine. If you can't, not good. Talking of which, Paul, have you gone red faced? <laughs> Are you red faced at all? Any of your expenses? Uh, well, you've it's just me, myself, sorts. and I. So. I know, but, you've worked, but you have worked <laughs> for all sorts of uh, companies, haven't you, in the past? Yeah, no. Um, Coke, uh, Coots, loads of different people, and they all are different. You know, Coots is very different, obviously. But um, no, there's some really interesting policies. When I worked for Mindshare, for example, I was in the position where I had to approve a lot of that stuff. And um, <clears throat> you would get people who were trying to swing it you know, that they needed that taxi to get to a place and that sort of stuff. But then on the other side, we had a system where you couldn't book, you physically couldn't book that flight, regardless of whether you got 15 minutes to get to it or not, if I didn't go on a system and say so. And I said, this is ridiculous. So I had an authorisation system. Yeah, I just went, I don't want to spend my time clicking boxes and that sort of stuff. Um, So I we we actually um, had a conversation about... um, upping limits and I said look if it's above that and if we've got trouble footing that bill then that's fine I'm not asking you to do it for everyone just for my lot because we work in social and sometimes we have to move quite quickly yeah, sure. and they went, hmm one for you one for everyone else I went that's yep. exactly what I'm asking yeah. for <laughs> yeah absolutely I'm yeah. an MP but so I think it's that flexibility that mm. you need sometimes because sometimes you can automate and that sort of stuff yeah. and that's mm. when you also run into problems I would imagine but I'm interested in like what the future of those sort of needs are yeah. you know yeah. are expenses changing mm. in a way or so so my worst nightmare is is on a like I do it on a Sunday. I tip my bag upside down mm. and I pull all the receipts out that I've got. Yeah. And the thought of sitting down and going through them, I just yeah. I, I absolutely hate it. Now I have my own company, I give it to Emma. She <laughs> must hate it. I feel <laughs> awful about it every week. I'm just going there you go, Emma, yeah. and there's like a little pile of them. She might yeah. love it. Bet she doesn't. Yeah. Bet well, you've got to ask doesn't. Emma, haven't you? Bet she doesn't. She like like coordinates, you know, mm. looks at my diary and where I've been and what they're for and all that sort of stuff. Tell me there's another way. Well, the, future, the future's already here, actually. So, obviously, SAP Concur, we, you know, we've been doing this for a long time. So, um, we've sort of cha- we're changing the way that people are thinking about their expenses. So, if you think, first of all, in Paul's example, um, so tonight I might need a hotel. 
you want to be able to book a hotel in a very um, easy way, Facebook style, off, off your phone, and actually be adhering to the policy to start with. So we have an on- online booking tool, which basically um, you can put in that you need a hotel in London, and then it will find you a hotel that has that is within the policy. So you book that straight away. It gives you an itinerary. So you've still got a choice. But it, but, you've but, still but got basically a choice, it, but it, it will suggest to you that yeah. these ones are <coughs> within policy. These are our preferred hotels because we get better rates. So you can do the right thing for the mm. company and actually, but it's Facebook style. So you can you can do it quickly and there's no resistance to do that. So that's the first thing. Um, and then that's then logged within the system and it flows all the way through to expenses. And we're also doing receipt capture out on the move. So this morning I um, I got a train ticket and as soon as I got my receipt, I took a picture of my receipt, it's automatically uploaded. And then that pre-builds itself into the expense system. So you don't have to go in and say that this was the date, this is how much it was for, and it was London Midland Trains. It's done that all all automatically for you. So then all you have to do is, at the end of the week, rather than sorting through all your receipts, um, it matches things like your calendar invites and your customer meetings and all those sorts of things together. It will prepare all that information. You just have to go in and check it, and then you can post it. So, so this might make Emma's day, mightn't it? It might well <laughs> make Emma's day, absolutely. Because it's, it's a whole different concept rather than... Because you think most... So I've been in sales all my life. I'm in the same situation, which is um, probably once a month, I would book myself out for a whole Friday to go through my expenses and It makes me so <laughs> bad-tempered. I mean, really does make me bad-tempered. Yeah, it's, mm. um, you know... Prit, more bad-tempered. Prit, prit stick in hand, <laughs> sellotaping bits of receipts to pieces of paper to photocopy them. That's pretty much what people used to do. But now you can just take a picture of the receipt. It just gets uploaded and it's there. So what happens to the picture of the receipt? And, and uh, as far as, like, you know, HMRC, if they did do a fat inspection and all that rubbish they come in and take over uh do they need to see the originals are they happy with photos or how does it work yeah so um it's not so there are some um uh, vat partners that we work with and what they do is they liaise with the different governments because bear in mind it's not just hmrc in the mm. uk it's european legislation as well is they liaise on behalf of companies to go and work those things through with hmrc um, but you have to have some sort of evidence if certainly if you're claiming vat you have to have so those i could still just shove those in a shoebox and if the fat inspector comes you go it'll be in there mate somewhere you could, <laughs> you could do that you could do that i think so what the whole of europe's moving towards now is more digitalization of receipts because also the cost of storing those receipts as well it's just mm-hmm. massive um, so people are trying to get more and more away from paper receipts now and go more digital, and, and that's the way the governments are moving as well because they recognise it's it's a problem. They don't want to be sorting through. If they go and inspect somebody, they don't want to have to cart out big boxes of VAT receipts. They want it to be uploaded. They want to be able to prove that they're actual receipts and move on. Mm. Um, One question about data. Are you guys, so you guys get a lot of data about people, mm. whether you verify it and you know it's truthful and that sort of thing. One would assume most people would put truthful stuff through. That would yeah. hopefully be the higher percentage. Tell me about how you mm. guys are using that to better inform people or be a better company or maybe give that data back to a company and say, oh, these people are overspending, maybe you want to talk to them about this. What sort of machine learning or 
Yeah, do you analyse it? Because, I mean, some of the things we say... You're sitting is, on a gold mine, really, aren't yeah, you, for yeah, behavioural yeah. things. You might be able to, God forbid, spot someone who's uh, potentially swinging the lead and that sort of stuff. But also you might say, do you know that you're travelling mm. to London four times a week and actually if you get a weekly season ticket or monthly season ticket, that person's going to save it. You know, I think that's what you're trying to say, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so there's a whole bunch of uh, machine learning technologies coming out at the moment and we're partnering with a bunch of companies that are look at uh, looking at... Not only, so so imagine the first instance, what you want people to do is the thing that they're claiming is the right thing. So have they claimed £10 and the receipt says £10? So that's the first thing. And then the, the next thing you'd want to look at is actually, was that a reasonable expense? So using machine learning and all the data that's swinging its way around the internet these days, if you spent £500 on a flight, but yet we could check and see that Ryanair had the same flight available for £150, why was it that you spent £500 when there was another flight available? Because you don't like that O'Leary bloke. <laughs> <laughs> there's probably lots of reasons again. for it. Making there's, there's, friends again. <laughs> there's probably lots of reasons for it. But again, it's it's that going back and saying, you know, potentially um, you might want to consider this in the future. So be a mm. good corporate citizen. I, I kind of like the fact that you've you've mentioned time multiple times, but we haven't figured out how we're going to save those people coming to London. Do they need to come to London? Have you figured yeah. out like, hey, you're 60% of your time spent travelling? And yeah, you might be efficient on that train, but we all know the Wi-Fi is shocking and that sort mm. of stuff. Would it be better to say like one day he gets to work from home or something? How are we helping, how is your system helping businesses and humanity be better that's what i'm asking of a lot of technology at the moment. decisions yeah yeah i don't think we're quite there yet on the the partners that we're working with we have got some partners that are very focused around um expenses expenses ultimately all come about because of meetings because you're going to meet with a customer you're going to have an internal meeting those sorts of things so actually centering your whole travel and expense policy around the meetings that you're doing and being smarter about those meetings there are some companies out there that are really focused on those and they're the ones that are sort of they're giving the time back mm -hmm. and from an expense perspective you can imagine we're sort of dealing with things after the fact and even travel to a certain extent you've already decided mm -hmm. to travel so we're sort of after the horse is bolted almost in that in that instance um but we are seeing a lot of companies now, I think in the way that they're tightening up their expense policies, trying to encourage people to be a bit more sensible about, you know, can you do that from home? Um, there's a lot more technologies out there now where where video links are a lot better mm. over the internet as well. So I think those things are sort of naturally helping. And then that then asks the question about, do you need to have that expense? And, and how, how what sort of size company uh, would use your type of system? Because you're a huge company, aren't you? You know, so can somebody yeah. who's got five people or 10 people, would it be of benefit to them? Yeah, we actually have um, two parts of our business in the UK. So we have our enterprise business. So they are the, you know, the big organizations um big blue chips you'd expect but we also have a small to medium business as well so we help the the one-man band the two-man bands as well and it's almost um because we're a cloud-based company SaaS subscription-based it's a pay-as-you-grow sort of model so actually we've got companies that have joined us the one two-man bands and they've grown through uh to be the more enterprise type customers as well Andrea, one -man band looking like sounds like you need this yeah. actually, doesn't it? It sounds like we should. Will you write Andrea's um, policy book for her as well? <laughs> it exists, I promise. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's actually going back to Paul's point around the sorts of things that we can help people with is because whilst we don't um, obviously data protection is very important to us and the sensitivity of the data that we're dealing with as well, 
you know, obviously we, we don't share any of the, uh, that information. It's kind of confidential. One of the things that we can do for people is we can give people suggestions around their policies. So if people have got a straw man policy that they're drawing up, and maybe it's not some as, so as mature as some of the other policies that we've seen, then we can give them some suggestions and say, look, we've seen that sort of loophole before. Um, you might want to think of just shutting that, shutting that one down. In, in essence, though, don't you think that most people are probably too honest in general you know and as you say they don't put that receipt in because they've lost it or mm. uh you know they think oh i know i can have that amount for my hotel but actually i won't spend quite that much or um, people aren't always just trying to look for loopholes are they no i think it depends on the i mean again it's the culture of the company it's the culture of the teams as well you know i've always managed sales teams um so Unfortunately, they're probably the uh, the biggest spenders of them all. But whereas you've, if you look at sort of technical teams or marketing teams, they tend to be the ones that really don't feel like they can put anything through on expenses. So um, I think it depends on the it's a, it's a personality point. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the, the some of these sales uh, people, you know, just on the road all the time, and they're just they're just brought up with that since the the day they started work. So yeah. for them, it's just normal, isn't it? You know, what kind of all my expenses and, the, and they'll look out for what they can have and what they can't have but, but because that's the nature of their job most yeah. of us where expenses are incidental that's different isn't it yeah and I think as well there is a bit of a culture of because the sales guys are on the road when we always used to joke about the fact that we always live in the dream with a ginster's pasty by this you know on a lay-by somewhere on a conference call which is just the sort of life that you lead when you're in sales and I think the way that salespeople generally look at it is there are swings and roundabouts but again, um, even within those swings and roundabouts and they're the, the revenue drivers for companies, you've still got to be careful about what those guys are expensing through because these days you've got other things you have to worry about like anti-bribery laws, mm. um, you know, corruption of government officials, those sorts of things. So, you know, there's a policy for everybody. So by anti-bribery, do you mean that um, sometimes people giving you incentives and, and, you know, dropping off a crate of wine for you to come and, I don't know, for you to buy whatever? You d you, did you mean that? That sort, of, that sort of thing? Those sorts of things, corporate events, mm. uh, lunches, um, all those sorts of things. I've, I've that just have... made you a cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> as long as it's under £50, it's yeah. not a problem. Uh, yeah. yeah, so it's those sorts of things that you have to... Um, you have to look out for as well. Um, I used to sit in a government department for um, six years, which was obviously a joy. Um, and uh, you, you'd go in and then because there was all this hoo-ha in the press, which bearing in mind we all gave up our time for free and, mm. you know, we'd, you'd, we'd go there and, it, you know, it was pretty heavy and because you're helping the nation to be on these boards. Uh, they then got to a point where they wouldn't even provide us with biscuits or tea or coffee because... The press wanted to know how much biscuits, you know, they mm. was they were giving, and it was seen as some type of bribe. It can go completely bonkers the other way, can't it? I mean, it was quite ridiculous. Where I travelled down from Manchester, and couldn't even have a cup of tea for three hours just in case the press reported that I had a free cup of tea mm. while I was in government. That, that, that's just completely bonkers the other way, isn't it? it ha yeah, I think some companies have gone that way, and then but then there are other employ uh, sort of employers now that have gone completely the other way. So if you think about um, and in fact, actually, this goes back to the sort of benefit in kind. If you think about people like Google, you walk into Google's offices, there's all free fresh fruit, there's, you know, good snacks and all those sorts of things. And actually, Free bananas at Amazon, if you work there. <laughs> it's all part of the perks of yeah. being, you know, with the company. So it's almost, we, we, we swung so far because of fiscal responsibility and anti-corruption and all those sorts of things. And now, because there's such a war on talent and people are trying to make sure that they retain their employees... 
we've actually swung the other way to mm. sort of try and give us way as much free stuff. But would free available. bananas be taxable benefit? Oh, it depends on how many bananas you eat, I would think. I have no idea. Or providing breakfast or, yeah. you know, is that seen as a yeah. taxable benefit? I imagine there is probably, again, that's not my area of expertise, but um, I imagine there is something about that. At SAP, we have, um, we have free employee canteens, which is seen as a big... Re- revenue big, might be listening to that. Yeah, big perk. Big perk. And that's you don't get you don't get taxed on that then. Well, I think in those sort of uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe we do, or we just don't notice it when you go and get a free sausage sandwich in the morning. I think but. I think uh, to be fair to HMRC, and I'm being I'm being you know obviously I'm being sort of provocative because it's my job, mm. but but I, that it's it's just got to be proportionate, isn't it? That's that's the thing, you know, yeah. and not over the top. And, and and if it is proportionate, I'm sure that's fine. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Yeah. Mm. I got you out of that then, Emma. We're going to have a little break Good. now for a couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we're looking forward to um, speaking to Andrea of LV. See you in a minute. Listen up then. Uh, we never realised that we could get a hefty government payout for innovation. Thought it was just for those high-tech boys down south. Not a down-to-earth bunch like us. We did it, thanks to you lot and the really helpful guys at Breakthrough Funding. Yeah! Sorry, just slipped out. Easy money then, boss. Not at all. It's a cash reward for showing how innovative ideas can rig benefits all round. Your company could qualify for innovation cash too. Find out online now by answering just six qualifying questions at breakthroughfunding.com. Yeah! And we're back uh, in the studio, Tech Talk Show. Uh, we've just been talking to Emma Maslin about how to fiddle our expenses. Uh, oh, no, that wasn't it. Uh, how to um, do our expenses properly with um, Concur. It's all very interesting stuff. I'm thinking of getting that, actually. I think we might need that in our business. Um, and then we've got Andrea here, Andrea Zitner. And you think I've got myself into trouble over the expenses. You should see what's going to happen in the next half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I promise I will try and like use the right words and be politically correct, but I'm not very good at that. So, so, so um, just so remind people what your Twitter handle is. <laughs> Twitter handle? What is my Twitter handle? I don't know what my Twitter handle is. Um, I'll tell them yours though. Yeah, go people for it. can complain to I'll you. I'll forward it, on. Uh, Paul. Um, so, Andrea, uh, the reason why you're here is we held the Tech Talk 22 Awards uh, a good few months ago. We had some of the most amazing technology that we were looking at, and as a panel of judges, we we, we were trying to work out for us. The, the sorts of technology which we would see in the future that that, mm-hmm. that really is different and and we thought is is, is going to go somewhere, so not necessarily companies that have gone to market yet, but we're in very interesting spaces. Now that's just got me straight into trouble. <laughs> um, and uh, the reason why you, you were on there is because of of your LV product. Now to save me explaining it, can you just explain to me what the LV product is? Bearing in mind, I, I don't even know where my pelvic floor is, so I'll leave that over to you. But can you just explain what it is for me? Of course. Um, so LV Trainer is our very first product, and it's a smart pelvic floor trainer and an app. What it means, it's a smart little pod that you can pop inside your body, just like a tampon, and it talks to your app through the Bluetooth in the tail. And as you are doing your Kegel exercises, it gives you visual feedback. So actually you're playing games and it makes Kegels easy and fun. So what are Kegel exercises? Ah, they are a targeted set of exercises for your pelvic floor muscles and their main purpose is to strengthen them and tone them. They're very common advice, especially after childbirth and during pregnancy and recommended by health authorities around the world as the first line of treatment for any pelvic floor problems. 
but they are notoriously tricky to do and they are notoriously tricky to keep on doing them because you so, get no so just, feedback. So just explain what pelvic floor is, um, mm. if you don't mind, because it's, it's important to understand, isn't it? So when you, when you have a baby, like the whole of your body collapses, everybody mm. knows that, you know, and you never <laughs> ever recover. I just, if anybody's thinking getting pregnant. Um, but, uh, <laughs> uh, so, but just explain what the pelvic floor is. It's a hidden but very important set of muscles. I like to actually think of it as our miracle muscle. And it looks, you can visualize it as a hammock or a trampoline that sits between your tailbone and your pubic bone. And it actually lifts up and holds up a lot of your core organs. So when it weakens, which happens because of genetics, because of sometimes high impact sports or life stages like childbirth, pregnancy or menopause, it can cause you a lot of problems. And the problems that I'm talking about are things like bladder leakage so you sneeze and a little bit of pee comes out or you jump around on a trampoline don't look at me no, i'm looking around no no don't look at me <laughs> it's very common it's actually one in three women experience these issues and i think it's as high as 80 percent in pregnancy and post childbirth and then some of it is much more milder so just back pain issues posture issues but some of it is actually very serious and that's prolapse which is another big area of women's health that's not so we've got these set of muscles, which everybody talks about when you're, you know, after childbirth, mm -hmm. because everybody says, oh, you know, I must do these exercises because it's sort of everybody knows about that. But actually, it's really important set of muscles, full stop. Um, and it's something, in your opinion, and I guess lots of other people's too, is something that you should look after as much as you know, the rest of the other muscles in your body. Correct. It's just like any other muscle. So working it out regularly is very important. The fact that it stays strong and healthy is really important. And for every woman, so it's not just for women who are pregnant or who've just given birth. Everybody, young women benefit from it because it improves your core strength, it improves your posture, it also your sex life benefits. And when you are pregnant and after childbirth, again, the recovery of that muscle group is really important. And it's important to prevent some of the bladder problems that I talked about or to improve them. But again, also your posture, your back pain um, can be alleviated. So um, as I'm in that bracket, tell me about the menopause stuff then. What happens then? Just, just you're getting older and everything just falls apart. Exactly. So as, as, your, body go <laughs> no, but as your body goes through hormonal changes, um, your muscles generally actually become weaker. Mm. And that happens in every part of your body, including in your pelvic floor. So again, regular strengthening is key to keep on de delaying some of these So I think we've established then this is a really important set of muscles. But as you said, you, you, you don't actually know where they are in mm. terms of... So in my head, I'm thinking, right, I'll, I'll go, I've been to the gym this morning. Tick. Um, so I've just done some stuff, you know, for my mm -hmm. biceps. And I know where my biceps are. And I can feel when I've been doing exercises because, you know, they sort of tighten up a bit. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't, in my head, know where my pelvic muscles are. I know that sounds stupid, but do you know what I mean by that? Mm. No, that's correct. So I mean, how can I, you know, so it's very hard for me to do pelvic muscle exercises because um, I can't sort of know where they are in my head. That's exactly the, that's exactly why <laughs> we did that. I'm myself very well here, aren't <laughs> I? <laughs> no, but it's true. I mean, I think as we sit around the table, if you try to do them right now, and I'm looking Paul? around, and I'm looking around. Paul can Already do them too. Them. Paul can <laughs> do them. <laughs> it's actually very difficult to isolate that muscle. Yeah, because I it isolate. Is. That's the word I'm looking for, actually. Yeah, isolate them. Yeah. Because it's inside your body. So you often end up squeezing your bum or, or actually squeezing your abs muscles but not actually isolating the pelvic floor muscle and that's exactly why LV trainer was developed in the first place because it does tell you exactly what you're doing when you're doing it and whether you're doing it correctly and I think because when you're working other parts of your body you can get the visual feedback yeah. either by looking at the mirror or 
you know, standing on your weighing scales or running on a running machine through the display on the running machine, you get motivated quite quickly. You know whether you're progressing and you just don't get that with pelvic floor muscle because it is hidden, which is why we've developed the product and which is why the app actually gives you history of your workouts. It gives you your progress and just makes it more fun. Cause so you, know you, haven't, you haven't bought one in, have you? Or have you? I have you have not bought oh. one in, but I Sorry. can show you the app. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A clip so, like um, so, so, can you not draw it for me? Um, <laughs> that's, so, pretty, that's pretty good, though. So, it's, uh, so, what's the sort of size of it? It's about... Don't forget on the radio. It's no I know. It's about, it's about this big, and I'm trying oh. to think in the right units. Seven or eight centimetres? Yeah. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, and it's, and it's pebble-shaped. Yeah. And so the pebble-shaped part goes inside your body, and it has a little tail, and in the tail is a Bluetooth that talks to the app on your phone and the app will then let you know how you're doing whether you're doing the 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 sort of exercises in the right way and mm -hmm. having the right effect exactly like having a personal trainer who'll exactly. tell you you're lifting that wrong that you're going to hurt yourself if you do that again you know exactly sort of thing, so. and okay. the exercises are quite varied so <coughs> you will end up getting quite competitive with yourself and <laughs> and and they focus on different on different aspects of a muscle so my personal favorite is a pulse exercise where you actually get loads of tokens floating through the screen and as you're squeezing your pelvic floor muscle you're trying to hit them <laughs> i swear it's great fun who actually put these people on the show is it you lucy <laughs> she's lucy's down here, the producer um they just do it on purpose to, to make it difficult but what i think but, is interesting like from because I, re I read about femtech recently for forbes and it was one of the most read pieces that i did that month um and for me because it is a funny, or it can be a funny topic mm. and that sort of stuff. But the one thing that really sort of brought it home for me was when, um, I can't remember that stat, whether it was a 30% stat or something mm. different, that someone said one in 10 people, one in 10 women that you know will go through uh, some form of embarrassment or medical thing due to her pelvic floor mm. thing. And I was just like, that was absolutely thing. And then they said, uh, they said, do an experiment. They said, write down 10 women that you know, mm. one of those. And then that brings it home for like contextual, doesn't oh. it? Mm. And I think that's quite an interesting sort of way of thinking mm. about it. But femtech in general, I think is number one, highly unfunded. It's disgraceful, yeah. the amount of it money is. that isn't in there. And then the other thing is the amount of benefit that it can give for very mm. simple things. You know, this, for example, you know, we've all just laughed about a little device that we put inside. Well, not all of us, but some of us put inside ourselves and that sort of stuff. But when you think about the money that it connects to in the future, about how much money that's going to save energy, NHS, the US economy and all of that sort of stuff. It makes sense. And it's almost like, can we give this out for free? It would be a great thing to sort of do. But I think the younger women um, that are coming through that are technology more adept maybe and enabled and interested and that sort of thing, this thing is absolutely going to revolutionise, I think, their their later years because yeah, it's and, such and I, an I important totally I mean, uh, you know, we're like, we're, we're always sort of take the mickey on the programme and all oh, that yeah. to, to sort of lighten it up. But but it's really, really important. And uh, and there is a big, big issue about femtech, isn't there, Andrea? In, in, in the... It's just not getting funded, and yet more there's more women out there with more money than men spending yeah. on stuff like this. It's absolutely ridiculous. I think it is starting to change. Um, it's starting to change for the better, but it has taken a long time. And I think the reason why it's changing now is that the taboo surrounding women's health and women's bodies is lifting. So when you think about body positivity movement, menstruation, etc., it's much more out in the open, which is a great mm. thing. And I think there is now a handful of success stories out there around femtech, which is also inspiring others yep. to actually follow through. And I think ultimately digital health and consumer health is booming and consumers are becoming much more comfortable in taking care of their own health at their own home. So I think all of these three things combined mean that femtech 
is accelerating, which is great. And I think CBI published a study which showed that they raised over one billion in funding in mm. the last three years. So the signs are very positive, and I, I passionately feel this is a great space, both from a social reason, but also commercially really interesting opportunity. But, but, but Andrew, this is about designing products, you know, from scratch for women, as opposed to the pinkification of of. of products exist out there already uh, let's just do a female slant on it um mm. it's stuff that's actually needed isn't it that that is built from the ground up for, for women yeah, yeah. I, I think it's absolutely fascinating that a lot of um what you see out there and i saw it at ces when i went out there this year mm. still reams of pink stuff mm. and it was sort of, oh what's different this year and they go well we made it pink you go mm. oh all right pathetic congrats you know mm. but they'll sell mm. a ton you know, that's not bad. I mean, I always say to women, if you don't like pink cameras, don't buy them. You know, that's the thing. That's the best way yeah. to tell them they don't want them. But, um, you know, that that sort of stuff is, uh, starts a lot younger in life. Um, and there are studies on that. What I, what I find interesting about Femtech is that um, the people that get to write about some of this stuff are the people that doesn't help. And that's its biggest problem is because it's very difficult. And that's why that one in 10 stat stuck with mm. me because I was like, oh, God, it, it, it absolutely, you know, resonated with me but when you've got say someone 40 50 60 who is in a position of power writing for people i'm not saying that they can't write for women and they don't write for women but it's often a lot harder to emote with that subject or get excited mm. about it or sort mm. of you know even enter your consciousness in that sort mm. of sense you know so i think that's something that's definitely got to change mm. and i would definitely urge anyone and this was something we talked about mm. on the um, mhp uh, podcast um which was a really good one i would definitely say to um, check that out for people but um it's a very interesting um public relationship world this mm. category lives in because it is quite uncomfortable to talk about for some people and unfortunately mm. they're the ones who put their names on the articles mm. so I would always say those people look and search for those female writers and really promote those people as well and I think that's a really I think key if you can it. do it with a bit of humour but but actually understand the importance underneath then then you can get it talked about you yeah know? no absolutely. it doesn't have to be deadly deadly serious you know just to try and soften it and get people engaged yeah but but you know it's an, it's an important topic mm. just on that note actually so one of the things that I've done I've seen a lot more lately is the um so the startup culture around sort of more females investing in more female startups and actually most of the startups that are pitched are femtech startups because they tend to be the things that women generally what they, they you don't want to take risk with your own cash mm. but you take risk around things that you know and understand and there's a gap in the market and most of the ones that i see that come through are all femtechs are all things around women's health or their things some of the more recent ones are things around sort of cancer research those sorts of things because they tend to they tend to resonate more with yeah. the people that are investing mm. so you tend to see more of those in an angel investing type world than you see them um yeah. more corporately so andrea how did you start then because you've got your company um chiaro technology limited which presumably lv is just going to be one of many that we're going to see from you hopefully um how did you start and, and did you did you have trouble accessing some funding in the first instance so the company was founded in 2013 and it was founded by tanya bolor our ceo founder i joined very soon after and initially um, she actually took a government grant and that was her first signal to go down this path. So that was the first time she started an entrepreneurship venture. And I think that government grant was a really good impetus to A, give her the courage to do this, but also served like a stamp of credibility for other yeah. investors yes, that yeah. followed. Um, initially, our business was funded through combination of government grants and angel investors. And I think... You know, there were so many naysayers. It was a very bold product um, and it addressed an issue which is very common but very difficult to talk about. So mm. many people 
stayed away and you just have to grow quite a thick skin and continue believing in what you're doing. But when you get the couple of lead investors on board who really believe in what you're doing, the others do tend to follow. So we raised our first institutional round, um, which was five million pounds. And that was for a traditional VC firm, so Octopus Ventures, who have been amazing and really believe in Femtech and really believe in what we're doing. And Albright, which is one of the VCs which which specifically focuses on female founders, um, was also, also invested in that point. So we, we got there, maybe took us a little bit longer than if a business wasn't Femtech. And I think we also combined, I often smile about this, but we combined three things into one, which investors tend to get scared about. One, hardware, which is just capital intensive. Yeah. Second, intimate health and intimate product. And third, a completely new category. But products like ours don't at the moment exist on a shelf. You can now buy LV Trainer in the likes of John Lewis, Boots and Selfridges, but that's we've created that and we've we've made that movement happen. So when you look at it, you you needed an investor who really had that long-term vision and who was happy to come invest into education. I mean, you were quite early in the market then, really. Mm. Mm. We were. Um, I think to some degree, the technology existed in hospitals and actually the inspiration mm. for the product comes very much from a medical setting and comes from a French market where pelvic floor rehabilitation is absolutely normal. The government actually pays and contributes for the women to have physio sessions after childbirth. Um, but we try to bring that into home setting and make it something that women love to use and that's much smaller, much more fun to use, much more easier and something that can be broad, much more broadly accessible. So not just when you have a problem and when you've reached the clinical setting. Mm. What's the future of LV, just on that sort of note? Mm. So for us, women continue to be at the centre of everything that we do and our ambition is to support them through different life stages and have a suite of connected devices that address the different problems that they face at different points in their life and have an app which connects it all. So that's the big vision. And actually this year, we're going to be launching our second product, which we're still being quite secretive about. But mm -hmm. I promise in a couple of months, I can share a little bit more. But it focuses on mums and it takes on another big category, which has been unloved for decades. And how do you decide on your new product development then? I mean, presumably, in, you know, in terms of strategy for the company, you know, you said this is about intimate health, you know, things that haven't been, you know, talked about or, or looked at. There's a huge gap in the market. So you've got that overarching strategy. Mm -hmm. But I mean, there's a lot to go out, a lot to go <laughs> at, you know, once, once you drill down on that. So how do you how have you decided as, as a team what, what to go for next? Because it's a difficult second novel here, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's correct. I mean, we talk about this pretty much daily because when you look at the whole space, all the way from periods, all the way to menopause, there is so much to do. And mm. it's been not looked at for the last Some stuff five is, decades. Is literally prehistoric when you think about what some yeah. of the things that we use. I mean, if you think about some of the even more medical stuff, if you think about when you go for a smear or when you when you just experience mm. some of the, some of the normal things that women experience, most of the things haven't changed no. for a very long time. Um, and I think for us, we started with pelvic floor health, which is a very intimate and bold topic, but the one that we feel passionate about. And we, I think, naturally figured out that one of the key segments of consumers who is going to benefit from this the most is the mums. And that is one of our key customer segments. And so for our second product, we try to stay with that customer segment and follow through. I think That makes sense, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you fast forward two to three years for us, we would definitely want to expand and cover other life stages and make LV the brand, which is synonymous with women's health and well-being. Um, 
So our first product is LV Trainer and our second product will also use our umbrella brand, which is LV. Um, and and, I, but reputation is everything for you because, you know, not putting too fine a point on it, your customers are putting stuff into very intimate places. It has mm. to be, you know, really trustworthy. It's got to, it's got to be hugely, hugely good quality because it's, it's really important. So you've got, to, you've got to get this right. Correct. And I think for us, because, because it's such a novel concept, when we launched, um, we focused on getting that credibility approval straight away so we have thousands of health professionals referring the product um, on a global basis we won about 15 design and innovation awards and that was really important in the beginning because yeah. it could you know people can think about it as a gadget or as something quite novel but we wanted to make sure that gets the stamp of approval and people so you wanted a serious health yeah. uh, endorsement yeah. absolutely yeah even though we wanted to sell it through retail and normal channels so that more women get access to it we wanted that stamp of approval from the health setting mm. is there any chaps products that we should be having <laughs> in that space hmm. putting you on the things spot that you put ball. inside yeah no we'll move on actually from that. <laughs> <laughs> probably did actually i don't know i honestly got that i can't i can't think of one there must uh, be oh um there is an interesting one which we might be having as a um somebody on in the future which is called exceed which um i urge everyone to uh, listen to it's a fascinating um this product all grinning at me <laughs> what please is it shall i explain about well is it well, we're gonna have them on the show okay Just so exceed if you think about it is literally a magnifying glass that you use with your smartphone to determine whether your sperm count is high okay, low and sense. how it's doing which you go, that's cute, yeah, that's, that's nice. And then they bung it up to the cloud, um, all that data, and they apply some machine learning and some algorithms and some um, AI neural networking type stuff. Um, and then they send that report back to you, which you can then get you to your doctor. And you go, that's cute, nice little package for the guys to sort of check their sperm counts. You're like, that's okay. Well, in and of itself, fantastic, right? When you think about what it's stopping, which could be women going through hideous hormone um, therapies yeah. and heartbreak mental torture of like mm. is it me is it him is it mm. both of us we don't know you know and that sort of stuff that product even though it's a very simple idea has the ability to a get a lot more people born which is very good news for some countries um but also reduce the amount of wasted um drugs out there um harm to women's bodies which some of these hormone mm. therapies can do and that sort of stuff so it's a phenomenal um, interesting device so i definitely urge them to uh, listen in for that one mm. So, so for you, this is this is a, a a sector that is set to explode, really. I think so. I mean, if you look if you look at um, the likes of Glow, Clue, and a couple of the other startups in this space, they've been raising very successful rounds, and they've have fantastic product outs in the market. We have been very successful, and we can't wait to be able to talk about our second product mm. because it is very different to our first. But again, we think this time around we are taking on an existing market, so the change will be even faster in terms of what you'll see on and the shelves. And, and you've got your reputation; you've got a bit of a bit of a platform already. Yeah. And I think the sector is only going to grow, and the beauty of it is it is mostly by women for women. So it's also ushering in a nice change on the female CEO front and the representation mm. in the tech space, which is... Mm. Emma, have you got any thoughts on that sector? I mean, you, you do see a lot of tech and you're quite involved in tech, you know, in all sorts of areas, but... Uh, yeah, you see, um, so more so lately, I've always worked in a big corporate environment and I've had my eyes opened over the last couple of years to a lot of these startups and a lot of the sort of, um, you know, tech for good and mm. more sort of femtech, those sorts of things that are coming out. I think it's great. And in fact, as you personally, so I've got I've got two boys 
Um, it was a personal pride point for me that I managed to have my second son in 40 minutes until I was told that that actually probably wasn't a good thing from a pelvic floor perspective afterwards. So actually... Um, 40 minutes? 40 minutes. My and then had him on the kitchen floor, actually. My quickest was 24 hours. <laughs> oh, <wow>. <laughs> <laughs> so useless. But, um, but it's, a, it's, it's an interesting point, actually, because I, don't, I think... Um, people feel that pelvic floor is something that's very small and it's sort of, you know, all about, you know, more so about having babies, those sorts of things. But actually for me, I had really bad chronic back problems afterwards mm. and I actually managed to dislocate my coccyx after I had my son. Um, and that was all to do with my pelvic floor. So actually, you, wow. there's... We've got to find different ways of having babies though, I think. Because <laughs> it's, it's horrible, it's brutal. But the more, but you're absolutely right in the fact that the more people that you talk to, that, you know, natural thing about having kids is the fact that you forget because you love. And, um, but the trouble is, is that there has to be an easier way to recover. There has yeah. to be an easier way to recover. So I think it's great. I think you see more and more of these lately, and especially in the startup world. I think it's, I think it's really great. A friend of mine was pregnant at the same time as me, which I, I do admit was like in about fifty-eight years ago. But, but she uh, she gave birth in Japan, so she was having her baby at the same time as I was having mine, and uh, it's brilliant out there. I don't know if it's still the same. She said it was great. You have your baby, and everybody just takes your baby away for three weeks. Just just takes the baby away, looks after it, so that you can really, really recover. You know, obviously you feed it and all that sort of stuff, but, they, but you don't have to. Oh, right. From okay. a bonding Sorry. perspective. No, 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 you have a bit of that. A <laughs> not bit quite of that. sure how that works. No, 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 but, but right, do, just checking. Yeah, do a little bit of that as well. But, they, but you're not just, you, you know, thinking 24 hours a day that you've got to be yeah. there, then you're tired, you're still mm. physically recovering and all that sort of stuff. That's People all fun. just wandering out and, and, you know, and like make sure you're okay and really, really look after you. And I was thinking, that's brilliant, Mark. But if you think about what that, that the difference in that care is. Culture. Obviously, down to culture, but yeah. then you think about well, it's long term, isn't it? If you've got a knackered mum, doesn't might not know exactly what she's meant to be doing, <coughs> worry, stress, mm. and that sort of stuff. You can pick up on those vibes, but also yeah. hormonally and everything like that, it's all going through in the milk. So if you think about what <laughs> they're doing there, they're kind of reducing a lot of the risk that's out there. So it's quite interesting. Well, that was quite good. I, so, I didn't know that, so I'm going yeah. to be googling that. The afterwards. other thing she said, um, uh, culturally, is that you could always tell the British people in the hospital because they used to scream their heads off when they were giving birth. Oh, it was wow. Japanese not a sound? Not allowed. Not, they're not allowed yeah. to make a sound. <laughs> Good job I wasn't in there. They'd have heard me if I was in there. That's sure. <laughs> oh anyway, um, going back to uh, Femtech, um, thank you very much for joining us. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm, I want to know about this other product now, you see. That's the chat. That's the other thing. I think it, we're probably two months away from being able to share more. Two months. I think you'll love it. And this is for mums. It is focused on mums. It's focused on mums, okay. And um, and where can we go and find out more about um, LV and some of the other products that, uh, that, that, that you're developing? So you can definitely come and uh, check us out at lv.com. So that's E-L-V-I-E, lv.com. Correct. Um, or you can follow us on social um, on hello.lv. And what short stores were they in now? Because that's news to me, I didn't know that. What stores are they in now? Um, so it's a in the UK, it's um, quite a lot, but... Um, the likes of John Lewis, so you can pop in and actually see the product um, in the stores. Uh, Boots.com, um, the likes of Selfridges, so everybody um, Amazon, um, Good. the likes of Look Fantastic. And, and you've now got 30, 40 staff. We do. Wow. So it's a really big success story. It's fantastic. It's um, been, yeah, it's been a, a lot of sprints. Yeah, I like to call it. <laughs> yeah, and and for investors out there, you know, you should be looking at this sector. Absolutely. If you've got a little bit of, um, if you've got a little bit of cash, um, you know, sort of swimming around, you should definitely be looking at that. Um, and also, thank you to Emma. Thank you, Emma. Thank you. Um, and uh, Concur. 
concur.co.uk. Um, and I presume if somebody wants some help with their expenses, I'm thinking about that for us lot. We yeah. must take ages just sitting there piling through bits of train tickets. Yep. We need to be on there, don't we? We'll give you a Friday afternoons back. How about that? What are you going to say? You're going to give yeah, me a discount a tag then? <laughs> that's a tagline. Tag mm. 10% flat tagline, yeah. I thought she that's was going to give line. me some discount then. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's a good, a good way of putting it actually, isn't it? Get yeah. your Friday afternoons back. Sure. Or in my case, Sunday afternoons, sit there with a glass of wine trying to path through it. Um, and that's for small companies as well as the, as the larger companies. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. And uh, very, very quickly, anything that you're excited about being developed? Yeah, we were just um, we were just having actually having a chat around the the risk piece actually. So um, we were talking about after the the horses bolted and the expenses side of things when people have done their expenses. But we've got some really cool tech now using some of that data we talked about around what are people expensing live, and actually to make sure your employees are safe because there's more and more focus now on duty of care. So do you know when your employees have just booked a train ticket into London and then there's some sort of disaster? Incident or something, yeah. Exactly. Mm. And you have to get hold of everybody. So that's really exciting. So it goes back to the AI, machine learning, where, is, where are people, what are their patterns? And that's going to be a really big thing for the next mm. couple of years. Very exciting. So that's um, Emma Maslin of Concur, and that's concur.co.uk. Um, thank you for joining us. A bit of a weird mix, that, actually. Expenses and, and you know, femtech. I, suppose. Okay. I like it's it. Good. Yeah, I quite like that. Maybe we've born something here. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That would be the weirdest thing somebody's expensed, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, but um, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> I bet sure. I could put that on my expenses, because we, um, we have to get samples in, don't we? So, yeah. you know, yeah, I could do that. Go for it. No, I'm not going to be joking. <laughs> Everybody be taking the mickey out of that back, back at the office. So uh, you've been listening to the Tech Talk show. Uh, we're now syndicated to dozens of radio stations across the UK and all, all sorts of places. Uh, Manchester, Michigan, you name it. Um, and thank you to my fellow presenter, Paul Armstrong. Thank you for joining us. That was good fun, wasn't it? Always good. Um, And if you want to recommend any future guests, somebody doing something groundbreaking, particularly people in the femtech sector would be good. I'd like to talk more about that. Uh, Just get in touch with us via Twitter on at Tech Talk Show UK. And of course, we've got hundreds of podcasts now on our website, which is techtalkshow.co.uk. And I hope you have a good week. See you now.